Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing For those of you who may not know, I have been moving through the book of James since January, well, February, essentially. And so I've had uh, the privilege of just jumping into that book. Uh, For those of you who may not know, James, or Jacob, as he was actually called, um, is the brother of Jesus. And he was not actually a, a believer. He was not actually a disciple of Jesus until after um, the resurrection. <clears throat> and so after, after that, then he became one of the pillars of the church. And his book, the book of James, was a letter that was written to uh, the Jewish folks who had become followers of Jesus, who had been dispersed all throughout the world, essentially, uh, because of persecution. And so he wrote this letter to them. And so he was definitely writing it through the worldview and the lens of Uh, the Jewish mindset and the understanding of Scripture and the understanding of the ways of Jesus that had been passed down through oral tradition for, they believe, maybe 40 or 50 years before this letter was written. And so the church was well on its way, 40, 50 years old, uh, before this letter was dispersed uh, to the believers. And so it's been really fun to go through this book together as a fellowship and one of the things about this book that's, um, that's kind of challenging at some levels is, is it's, um, it's definitely a book that requires a deeper dive into some of the more nuanced understandings of what James is saying. Because at first glance, when you look at the book of James, you might consider that it's at odds with some of the teachings of Paul. Because Paul was definitely a grace teacher And James seems to be saying things like, hey, faith without works is dead. And so grace and works, you know, that's for some people, that's like oil and water. And they can't quite reconcile how that fits together. And so we've done a deep dive into a lot of the concepts here in James. And we've moved on through the third book or the third chapter of James. And and so that's kind of giving you a sense of the pace. Since February, we're now in chapter 3. Well, we're in in chapter 3 today, and we're moving into chapter 4. There's five chapters in the book. And so we're kind of on pace maybe to spend the entire year together looking at this book. And I'm I'm loving it. And um, I'm definitely taking more concepts and ideas than I am like verse by verse, breaking it down. Uh, So today we're going to just do a review of what I shared last week, moving us into part two of this week's talk. And so last week, we talked about how wisdom from above is marked by peace. And so I'm going to read James 3, 17 through 18. This is from last week, and it's going to usher us into 
what we're going to talk about here, where it says this, wisdom from above is always pure, filled with peace. And it goes on and it talks a little bit more about wisdom from above, but then it kind of wraps up this idea at the end of uh, chapter three with this, good seeds of wisdom's fruit will be planted with peaceful acts by those who cherish making peace. So again, just that idea that wisdom from above is marked by peace. And then we had to really kind of dive into what does peace really mean? How is this related to um, the teachings of Jesus where Jesus in John 14, 27 would say, I'm le- I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Uh, we're going to touch a little bit on that. Don't be troubled or afraid. Let's just lump that up into anxiety. Don't, don't be anxious. Don't be an anxious person um, <clears throat> related to the peace of your heart and your mind in, um, in that. And so the word peace here that Jesus uses is irene. And that's the Greek word. And basically what it means is God's gift of wholeness. When all of the essential parts are joined together. So this was um, something that we really took some time to look into last week. And it's really kind of fun. Because last week I actually quoted someone that I really admire and look up to. and, uh, And it's kind of like, have you ever had a situation where you're talking to your friends about maybe a new sport that you're into, like archery hunting, for example. You just mention it in conversation, and all of a sudden, the algorithms on your phone start to deliver to you all of the specialized ads for archery hunting. And it's, it's, it's only frustrating because, A, you think they're listening, which they, they are, and, and B... You spend $3,000 on new gear that you didn't anticipate spending because you responded to all those ads that just got sent your way. I'm just kidding. I didn't really do that, Tiffany. No. It didn't happen yet. I had a weird thing happened this week. We were in California, and we were at this shop, and it was kind of like a vintage, artsy-fartsy, cool clothing shop, and there was a jacket that I tried on. And then I looked at the price. I mean, price tags there were like four or 500 bucks. And I looked at this price tag and I was like, that's a nice jacket. <laughs> I kid you not, within 12 hours, I had, a, I had a sponsored ad for that exact jacket. I am like, how in the world did that happen? I'm not kidding you. So anyway, last week I mentioned uh, this person that I really admire, really love their teachings, And lo and behold, he's here right now, Morgan Snyder. You're like one of the algorithm responses to me talking. It's like, how did this happen? Like I quoted Morgan last week. Remember when we were talking about the different parts getting on the bus? (laughs) He laughs. (laughs) Like this concept was something that I heard last month when I was at, you know, that that conference, uh, Become Good Soil. And so we were talking about that, the integrated parts, the facets of your personality or your soul that are being brought together by Jesus. Like that's the gift. That's the gift that he gives to us. And we, we actually did a little bit of a, 
a contrast, you know, we won't go down this rabbit hole too deep, but remember, uh, there was that, that passage where Jesus is actually saying, I didn't come to bring peace, I brought a sword. And so how do we reconcile that with Jesus saying, I have come to give you a gift, and it's the gift of peace? Well, remember what Jesus is saying here in John 14, it's peace of mind and heart, so it's internal peace. And it's the integration or the bringing together of all of the essential parts that are being joined together around the person of Jesus, around the presence of Jesus, around the Holy Spirit of Christ that has taken up residence within you, that Christ is now central in your life. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, with Christ in you, you have been transformed or you're being transformed. In fact, the old is new and the new has come. And you might even say, has come and is coming and will continue to come because there's this process that we're in of getting ourselves whole, finding the peace that Jesus has offered to us. It's like, you know, we can say till we're blue in the face that God loves you, but until you really experientially know it, you will not live in that place of receiving and being informed by the love of God. Same is true with peace. I could say it till I'm blue in the face. Jesus has given you peace. And yet there are days when I find myself troubled and afraid. In fact, um, I would say that there's a lot of days where I feel that way. And we could refer to that as being, um, as being like dysregulated. We could talk about affect regulation. We can talk about those sorts of things uh, maybe at another time. But I will say this, that we are designed to find our center. And if our center is like at a five or a six where we feel like we're, everything's well and we're at peace in ourselves and we're able to relate in healthy relationships with the people around us, you know there are days when you get dysregulated, you get triggered and you drop down into like a, a one or a two where you're completely like dissociated. You're absolutely like the lights are on, no one's home, I'm in the room but I'm not engaging anybody or I might not even be in the room. You may literally take flight. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where you're on a, an eight, nine, where you're just like completely freaking out. Like all of your adrenaline's pumping. I mean, it's just like <clears throat> you're about to scream bloody murder, right? So finding that space where you're back at peace of mind and peace of heart, we could term that being regulated. We could term that as affect regulation. And so Jesus is saying, look, there are aspects of who we are that get triggered. There are places in our soul that are still in need of healing, still in need of invitation to come and enter into the presence of Jesus. And so we touched on that a little bit last week. Um, but remember that I quoted Jesus as he actually quoted Isaiah 61 when he says this, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. In other words, he's saying, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to everyone. And then he says this, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And we touched on the fact that brokenhearted is not an emotional condition, but actually it speaks of like more medically 
uh, it speaks of fragmentation. It speaks of like uh, if your arm was broken, your arm isn't sad, your arm is in pieces. And, um, and in order for your arm to be brought into wholeness, I guess you could relate it to being at peace, then there has to be a work of healing and restoration so that the different essential parts are brought into whole. And so that's the dynamic of Jesus saying, like, I have come to do this for you. This is my gift to you, and I'm going to bring peace to you in this way. And so, um, and so integrating all of these various parts of who you are and bringing them into the light of God's love under the rule and the reign of Jesus and his healing power, this is the work that we get to do as far as like working out our salvation, as far as working out, um, yeah, just becoming true to who God has created you to be, all right? Now, I want to do a little bit of a dive here as we start the on-ramp onto this week's message, and I want to give you a very rudimentary introduction to all of this, and the language around this in modern terms would be known as like internal family systems, right? Um, And internal family systems relates to how we interact with the various aspects of our soul, all right? But before we jump into that, let's take a look at where this idea originates, actually. And it's born from a concept of family systems, really. And so some of you have done some really good work, maybe with therapists, maybe with spiritual directors, where you have explored your family systems, where you've explored how you relate to different members of your family and how there's a culture that your family um, probably has, you know, ascribed to and then you have a place in that culture and sometimes there's struggles within that culture and there's always this invitation for upgrades on how you're going to relate to the family members. But let me, let me make it clear to you that this has more This isn't just about biological family. Like family systems works in any organization. I experience it in my work with the school board. I experience it here with us as a community of faith, a congregation. We experience it with different organizations, different corporations, all of these different groups that you're a part of, these team dynamics, these these working relational dynamics. They're all part of a system. And so family systems addresses how we interact with other people and how our hearts and how our souls are actually um, showing up or not, um, engaging or not, uh, a part of solutions or a part of problems. All of that stuff is very complex. And again, if it's new to you, again, this is a rudimentary intro, if it's new to you, and you want to know more about it, then I'm happy to have a conversation with you about it. And I'm happy to um, point you towards people who really know this stuff really well. Okay? So one of the things that I wanted to mention here with this is that the idea is this, that individuals within family systems, external family systems, that unless they are what's known as differentiated, if an individual is differentiated, then that system will likely be healthy or healthier. If you're, don't let me get too caught up in the weeds here. In an unhealthy family or group system, the entire system tends to orient around the most anxious person in the group. 
And that's why Jesus is saying, you know, hey, I'm bringing you peace, so don't let troubling anxiety and fear rule your heart. So he's already bringing sort of a contrast here. Because in unhealthy family systems, uh, like I said, the entire system and every single person in that group tend to orient around the most anxious person. And anxiety here isn't always the most fearful person. Sometimes the most anxious individual in a family system is often the one who might abuse substances in order to cope. Maybe the most anxious person is the one who's the most emotionally volatile, whether that's enraged or extremely dissociated. So family systems that are anxious, family systems that revolve around the most anxious person in the group, and again, this isn't just biological family, but organizationally as well, uh, they tend to adjust and adapt. Individuals within that system tend to ad- adjust and adapt in order to either appease the most anxious person. Um, they'll react to emotional triggers. Sometimes individuals within that anxious system become overly vigilant to maintain a sense of peace. Okay, but here's the kicker. There's rarely any peace in that system. There's a semblance of peace. And that's the difference then. Let me just point to the difference between being a peacekeeper and being a peacemaker. Because a peacekeeper will often be someone who complies to an anxious system in order to not make waves, in order to appease the most anxious person, and they're hypervigilant to try to you know, anticipate that, and it's exhausting. A peacemaker, on the other hand, is someone who would actually say the difficult things if needed. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God, okay? That system um, that is anxious, that, syst- that family system that is revolving around the most anxious individual within the group, uh, that system will actually resist change. It's amazing to me how familiar uh, this all becomes and how loyal we are to the familiar. Uh, one thing that Tiffany and I did this week was we hopped on an airplane with uh, Tiffany's dad, um, who's, what, 82 years old, and we went and we celebrated his sister's birthday. She's 79 now, right? I love being with older people. I love mining out of them the treasure of who they are and just... Most, most of the older people that I know are super humble, and they don't really, like, lead out with, hey, let me tell you about everything that happened in my life that's awesome, or let me tell you about the struggles that I've been through. They're mostly, like, holding that back until they're asked. And one of the things that I loved about our visit was just watching how um, Tom and Mary interacted together. And I know their story. Like, I know that they were raised in a fatherless home. I know that their mother worked incredibly hard to make everything possible for them that they, she possibly could. And it was, like, not a very um, smooth system. But they somehow managed. And I love how, even though that there were familiar traits within that family, both of them, both Tom and Mary, figured out ways to separate themselves from the chaos. And the way that they did that was that they individually became differentiated people. 
which means that they were able to stand alone, even though they still engaged their family, they still engage each other, but they learned somehow to stand alone as themselves before God. Their story, their emotions, their battles, their victories, and they did not take on the anxiety or the stories or the emotions of the others. So they learned how to step into their own selves as differentiated people, and that is the key to not allowing an anxious family system to rule your heart. So when you are able to then, in the confidence that you gain as a child of God, in the confidence that you gain, because blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who enter into their right relationship with God as father, truly accepted, truly adopted in, not by the merit of their capacity to get it all right or to you know, make the grade or to perform or any of that stuff, but by virtue of who they are as God's beloved child, they enter into a confidence and to a courage where they can stand alone as themselves and then choose to engage people and not necessarily take on the other people's stuff. You know what I'm saying? You got to know that differentiated people are at more peace. They can be in a chaotic environment, but they can still be at peace. They will not allow the emotions of others to trigger them to dysregulate into these spaces where now it takes them three or four days to get themselves out of a ditch. They actually have learned, differentiated people learn how to take inventory of their own heart and to name things in real time. Like, oh, shoot, I'm being triggered right now. Man, I feel like a 12-year-old. I'm about ready to freak out. And they will, instead of reacting from that emotional place, they will step over into this space of being centered once again in their true relationship with God, their Father, with Christ, with them, the Holy Spirit bringing comfort, helping their hearts regain the language of Abba, Papa, I'm with you. So all of that is really very helpful for us as we start to look at um, chapter 4 of James, which we will get to, I promise you. <laughs> the only path out of anxious systems is through self-leadership and what is known as differentiation. We talked about that. And differentiated people tend to stay more rationally grounded in their own personal values as opposed to reacting to emotional triggers. And they refuse to take on the anxiety of the system all the while remaining engaged with the people within that system as long as it is safe for them to do so. You realize Jesus was a very differentiated person. That man could say some hard things in love to some people without fear of rejection. He allowed his personal relationship with the Father to dictate what he was going to do, what he was going to say. He did not allow the wishes or even the anxieties of his family or of his closest friends to determine who he was and what he was about. Now, let's take that idea of family systems and apply it to your internal world. So we're taking a little step over into another space. Don't want to leave anybody behind. But let me ask you a few questions. 
What if the parts that have formed up in you over the years, whether through trauma or even through the hope of reward, okay, so that's also a motivation, right? You know, perfectionists often move towards that because of the hope of reward, the hope of love, the hope of acceptance. So we understand some of that. What if those different facets of who you are were like an internal family? Okay, we're taking it out of the external. Remember, Jesus says, I've, I've come to bring peace, peace of heart and mind. So that's internal peace. And what if in all of our brokenness and in our immaturity and our inconsistencies and all of the things that we struggle with, what if we were, to a, were able to connect with the kindness of Jesus? where he would still, to this day, say, bring the little children to me because I want to lay my hands on them and I want to bless them. And what if those little parts were in you? And yet for years, maybe you've been like the disciples who want to blockade the children from Jesus. Maybe there's an aspect of who you are that wants to exile parts of you away, like kill it. Now there is some nuance here. Yes, of course, any single one of us who chooses to walk with Jesus, we're going to be led to a cross. And there will be death of things, but soul annihilation is different. It's not the goal. We are not intended by God to kill parts of ourselves in order to actually, like, feel right about ourselves? What if the way that we feel right about ourselves is we bring all the aspects of who we are to Jesus and allow him to bring not only the challenge of, hey, that needs to go to the cross, but also the power of the resurrection to bring newness of life in areas of your heart that may have been sabotaged, may have been hijacked. See, the difference is if we try to self-annihilate There's no resurrection power in that. But if we bring everything that we are to Jesus, even those parts that we have a hard time with in ourselves. I remember the first time that this actually came to me. It was many years ago. We were in Kansas City. So we're going back some 25 years, 26 years. And one of the things that happened in Kansas City was I had a spiritual awakening. And one of the things that God used to bring a spiritual awakening to me was actually worship. Um, Up to that point, I wasn't that keen. I mean, I was more critical than I was engaging worship. I was more like distant in that. But man, there was something about that season in Kansas City in the mid-90s where worship just lit up inside of me. And one of the struggles that I had was every single time I would come into worship, some part about my own soul that I didn't like would rise up. I would start to lust after a person, or I would start to have like fantasies of violence. I would start to have all of this stuff going on. And inside of me, I'm like, no, I'm here to worship. And I would try to shut all of that down and make it go away. It took many years for the Lord to get through to me that my act of worship was to bring every aspect of who I am to Jesus. So when I would engage in worship and I would have these thoughts that would seem to me to be distracting or maybe I would even demonize it and call it something evil, that actually what the Lord was doing in that safe place of his presence in the context of worship 
was he was inviting me to bring every aspect of who I am to him and that that was my act of worship. And in bringing those places of my soul that I didn't like into relationship with Christ, I began to experience something of his kindness that I did not see coming. When you half expect a backhand because you bring the real you to Jesus and instead you get an embrace, it messes with your head. It messes with your heart in all the right ways. Because Jesus is a peacemaker. And one of the things that he wanted me to do was experience peace in ways I had never experienced before. So can you imagine the present day you, the differentiated you growing up and growing into your capacity to self-lead. Think about it in terms of family systems. Like the, the way out of a chaotic, anxious system is to differentiate and to stand. So could you imagine that there, are, there is the core of who you are that has been united with Christ, and in Him you live and breathe and have your very existence, and you're seated with Him in high places, And this is the place of communion. Can you imagine that differentiated place saying, I'm home, and all you parts of me that have been running like feral children all these years, trying to hijack the bus, you're all welcome. I actually see it more like sitting around a campfire. Because you know a campfire is an instant home, right? I don't care where you're at. You build a campfire, oh, you're at home. You're with the people that you can talk story with. You're sharing space together. You might be sharing a meal, whatever it is. But what if Jesus and his love was the center place of that, and you were inviting those exiled parts of you to come sit and be at home? I mean, that sounds amazing to me. What if that was a way that you could imagine being at peace? So here we are. Let's move into James, reading James 4, verse 1, when it says this, What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you? As you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires. Doesn't the battle begin inside of you? Listen to this verse out of the New American Standard. That was the Passion Translation. Again, James 4.1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures at war in your members? Now, that's not language that we use a lot, unless you only think of it as kind of in a low bar sort of definition of what it means when you think about lust and you think about your hormones and you think about your members trying to run the show. But let me just say this, there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, that's one approach to thinking about where does conflict come. But I would say, yeah, Tiff didn't even think that way. She's like, what are you talking about? Those, those aren't the members I was thinking about. Yeah, so that's because she's holy. But that being said, like, When we break this down, when we think about conflicts or war with other people, when we think about quarrels or fights with other people, the word pleasures there, it generally refers to um, 
the desires at the expense of other things, like the fulfillment of desire. Now, this is where I want to be very careful because I have sat where you're sitting and I have heard people like me talk about you should not have desires. At least it got translated that way in my head. This is not what it's saying. What it's basically saying here, it's referring to pleasure that is made an end in itself. And your members here, which is the Greek word melos, is a part of the whole. So now we're tracking, right? So not only the physical parts, the organs, the limbs of your body, but any part or function of your human personality. So basically what James is connecting with here, and I don't know if he knew this cognitively or if it was instinctual, if it's something that just aligns itself with some wisdom of the day that is being revealed through different sciences and studies and the way that people interact with each other. But I do know that there's nothing new under the sun, right? And so I do know that the quarrels and the fights that people have been having for all these millennium, James is pointing to it. He's saying, look, you've got competing pleasures inside of you and they're at war. And if you want to, you can blame everyone else. You can blame the whole world for all the conflict that you're experiencing, but it starts with you. All of the quarreling, all of the fighting that you experience outside in the context of family systems and in the context of group systems, you have to know that the majority of that is going to originate at some level within you or some level within them or some level within them. And so there's an internal work that you and I can be doing that we can actually become more and more like the peacemakers, like for real. And we don't have to manifest the warfare that's internal out there. And so the Apostle Paul often refers to this in the aspects of personality. I mean, Romans 6.13, the second part of that, it says, Present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. So again, there's that dynamic of, yes, we bring ourselves, and yes, we enter into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ and your molos, your parts, as instruments of righteousness for God. So there's this invitation that we have to bring all of ourselves into this space to experience the resurrection life, and we can present ourselves, our entire selves, to God to be used as instruments of God. And so how often... Do we assert our delineated selves within our own internal family systems? How often do we find ourselves being the one who's capable of saying, all right, this is happening. It's happening inside of me. It's happening out here. And I am tempted to react emotionally. How many of us are able to push pause? I think, I think this is the invitation that this passage, at least for me, it's bringing. Like, you have an opportunity to name some things here, that there is a struggle inside of you, and you can push pause. You can step away, and you can regain your connection with Christ and come back to center, come back to your differentiated self. Okay? You can name what's really happening. And these are ways that we can actually begin to self-rule and uh, we can definitely grow 
in our capacity to be at peace within ourselves. Again, yeah, it's a great idea, but if we're not actually experientially living in that place of peace, then there's a, um, there's a disconnect. And so I think there are some ways that we can actually make choices to enter into the peace that Jesus is saying he has come to give us. And I think that anytime, this is the first step that we can do, anytime that you are tempted to react emotionally, push pause. Try to step away, even for a brief moment, and regain your connection with Christ and come back to your differentiated self. I have to tell you that over the last 10 months of being a part of the civic group that I'm a part of, some of you know what that is, Let's just say it's not been without conflict and strife. Let's just say that there has been actually war language in that. And let's just say that there have been declared enemies. And that there have been like um, tactics used to weaponize division. And let's just say that I found myself smack in the middle of that. And I'm just trying to figure out what is my place here? And how do I actually enter into like civil discourse and conversation with people who are using violent language? And I found myself, this is true story, drive my old truck to the parking lot of the school, just gave it away. And um, I will sit there for a moment and I will close my eyes and just like we did last week where we went into safe place and we invited Jesus to come into that space, I'll ask a different question. I'll sit in that space and I'll ask Jesus, Jesus, where are you and I right now? And I love it because um, <clears throat> he gives me pictures. So I don't go into like theology. I don't, I don't always have to remind myself of Bible verses to remind myself where I am with Jesus. Like, he meets me in a way that really makes the purchase. He'll show me a picture. I'm standing in a hanging valley, and I'm looking at a mountain called Vestal Peak, and the sun is rising on that peak, and Jesus is standing behind me, and he's got his arms over my shoulders, so he's taller than me, and his his chin is on my head, and he's holding me like this. And he whispers in my ear, Chris, you and I are right here. And once I find that space, then I go into my meeting. And then in the middle of the meeting, when I am tempted to react emotionally to something that someone just said in the way of like an accusation or in the way of like an actual like a verbal attack, I'll close my eyes and I'm right there with Jesus. And I just ask Jesus, and it's really very real time, I say, Jesus, inform what I'm about to say. From that place of being secure, of being absolutely safe, of having all of me brought into that space, of being embraced by the love of Jesus and the kindness of God. I'm able to say things that maybe I wouldn't be able to say otherwise. Does that make sense? So when you find yourself in a tussle, maybe in your own home, maybe in your place of work, 
whatever it is, maybe it's on the highway in California with people cutting you off. What is up with those people? No, I'm just kidding. Just find yourself back at center and just really ask the question, Jesus, where are you and I right now? And I think that what that'll do is that'll bring us, bring us back to our differentiated selves. Like this is who we are. And we stand with Jesus in this space. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing that I like to do is I like to name what's happening. Like I actually like to find language for it. This may be new to some of you. Some of you may not understand the value of being able to name things. But I think there's wisdom in being able to name things that are happening. Like, for example, if I find myself in that space of really just being emotionally triggered and just kind of off the rails and, you know, I'm either over here inching towards an eight or a nine or I'm down here inching towards a three or a two, name what's causing that. Like, say something like, I'm being triggered right now because there's a part of me that craves being seen, and I am not being seen right now. Or, maybe you could name this, like, I'm tempted to self-medicate because I'm trying to regulate a part of me that feels rejected and craves pleasure over happiness. There's a difference, right? So, being able to actually name those things, and some of you are journalers, you like to write these things down, it's, I think it would be a great exercise for you to write down and name as you meditate on your day or what happened yesterday or whatever it is, just to name that. It helps you become aware. It helps you to find language for what's going on implicitly inside of you. And I think it will kind of help in, in your process of being a little more real time with your uh, capacity to push pause and find yourself. So there's that. So that's number two. First one is um, push pause, regain your connection with Christ, come back to your differentiated self. Number two is name what's happening in, in real time as best you can. And sometimes this is where having a friend with you, whether it's a, a friend that you hang out with or a friend that you pay, let a friend help you find language. Okay. Uh, the third one is practice kind self-talk. If Jesus is the kindest person you've ever met, and he lives inside of you, and he's inviting all those places of who you are to come sit at the campfire with him, then you have to know that kindness will be spoken there. And what if... You could say something to your young self. I have watched many of you around your children and around other people's children within this community, and I have watched how kind you are to them. And I have watched how you bless them and how you say words of encouragement and how you speak the truth to them and how you call them into who they really are. What if... You could do that for yourself. It's a tough one because some of us have spent years trying to exile those parts. Some of us have been really good at being those disciples who want to blockade those young places from being blessed by Jesus. 
This is a whole new paradigm for many. And it breaks with the family system of anxiety where, you know, you, you get really good at concealment. It's really bringing everything in to the light. So again, James 4.1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source, is not the source your pleasures, your desires, your internal voices. You have to know when Jesus spoke of binding up the brokenhearted, all those fragmented places of the heart still have a voice, still has power and agenda, still has desire. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say none of them are bad. What did David say? Holy Spirit, search me and see if there's any part of me that has been twisted. Twisted. What if there's aspects of your soul that aren't necessarily evil in and of themselves, but have been twisted in some way and distorted in some way and have taken on a life in some way that is untrue to the original intent? And what if bringing those places in and allowing Jesus to minister kindness to those broken places of our heart will make the crooked things straight? That's where I'm going with that. All right, my friends. Those are deep waters. I'm glad you put on your water wings so we could go in the deep end. There's a lot to this. In some ways, it just really does feel like frontier to me as well as far as like just really allowing the wisdom of God, wisdom from above to bring peace. And for that wisdom to bring peace, not only like pseudo peace, you know, where we're just patching things up and we're just not rocking the boat, but real peace where the essential parts are being brought into the whole, where the essential parts of who you are as a human being are brought into the presence of Jesus to experience healing and wholeness. And for that to really have its effect on how we relate to the world around us. Because you have to know the flip side of that coin is, yeah, there's fighting and there's quarrels and it originates inside of you, but there's also peace to be had on this planet and it's going to originate inside of you as well. Okay? So with that, let's stand together and I'll pray blessing over you. Jesus, there's that question, and I want to ask you, Jesus, would you answer it for each one of us? And I'm going to let you, friends, make it personal. Would you ask Jesus, where are you and I right now? Jesus, thank you for the invitation to bring all of ourselves to you. Thank you for blessing each person here with your kindness. Thank you for your words of truth, your words of courage, bringing strength to places that feel weak inside of us. And I pray, Lord, that in the course of the days and the weeks ahead that you would help each one of us learn how to push pause when we need to, to find ourselves back with you as ourselves. Help us all find words, language, 
expressions of what's happening internally. And Lord, thank you that um, you can help us find new language for our own hearts where once we have been harsh and dismissive, we can bring blessing. And so friends, I just want to encourage you this week, if you're aware of a place in your own soul that feels young, maybe afraid, maybe hidden, I just want to encourage you to practice speaking blessing to it. Perhaps in your journal, perhaps in your meditation, perhaps echoing what Jesus would say to you. And in this, I just want to just welcome all of you into this space and into this community. And I just want to bless every single one of you in your own personal journey with Jesus. But I also bless your deep connections with each other. And I bless you to be differentiated people in the context of a healthy community. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.